This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 70 of Retired Racehorse Radio on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, Cashel Company, Arena Saddles, and Greenflower Botanicals. Retired Racehorse Radio is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Brought to you in cooperation with the Retired Racehorse Project and New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. And they're off on Retired Racehorse Radio, the podcast that is your guide to the adoption, care, and training of the retired racehorse. Welcome to the live show, everyone. You're going to see how the magic happens. So why don't you kick it off, Jamie? All right. Well, this is how we start. This is Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And this is Joy Orr in Detroit, Michigan. And you're listening to Retired Racehorse Radio live. Live. That's so cool, this technology. I love the little like uh, Christmassy banner you got going here and our our logo is very Christmassy as well. Oh, I really wish I could take all the credit for that. That is that is a gift from Glenn to make me look cooler than I am. <laughs> I had like some really half-assed thing going on <laughs> with Canva and he's like, oh, I already have this made with Kentucky Performance Products. And I'm like, well, I love you. Looks Thanks. really good. What is in store for us tonight, Joy? We have some fun things in store. It's our last episode of the year. We're going to celebrate with this little holiday fireside chit chat. We have Leandra Cooper, who you all know and love from New Vocations, who's going to be joining us. And also Kristen Kovich-Bentley and Jen Wrights from the Retired Race First Project. They've been with us, gosh, since the beginning and have they're just really part of the team. So I'm excited to kind of get a recap, see everyone's favorite things. And I have some questions for everyone. So there's some listener questions, asking some training tips that we can all kind of give some input on, but then some questions for us as hosts, some horsey, some not so horsey. So it should be a fun episode. Perfect. I'm excited to get going. Before we get going, I want to give a recap of our show before we bring our guest on. And this is our 70th episode, which is wild to me that we've made it this far. I'm pretty sure... Who told you that? Like, Who can talk about thoroughbreds for how long we can go? Is that your husband? Well, he he didn't understand the whole idea of having an equestrian podcast, a horse-related podcast. So when I started Horses in the Morning 11 years ago, almost 3,000 episodes ago, he goes, what are you going to talk about after two weeks? And I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. But there's always something happening and horse people are... Uh, to, to get to meet and talk to all the different horse people and to see into different parts of the world. I mean, I even feel like this show, Retired Racehorse Radio, has even done a better job of that because we've had so many international guests. There was one episode we had three different countries mm-hmm. plus the United States. So it's just been really, really fun to to get a glimpse into... There's racehorses everywhere, you know? So mm-hmm. to get a glimpse into the life of those racehorses all around the globe is so cool. Absolutely. And I mean, we've had 24 episodes this year. This is our 70th episode we've done. We've had 50 interviews that we've done and all over the U.S. Like, I think we've hit almost every state, which is so exciting. We've been in the U.K. We've been in Wales. We've been in Australia. We've been in Ireland. We've been in Canada and Germany. So we've been global, which is so exciting. We've had some... That's just this year? 
That's just this year. Oh my God. Okay. We've been some busy, busy bees. <laughs> yes. We got to travel without traveling in a yeah. way. Exactly. <laughs> We've had some unique interviews like Olympic gold medalist Tad Coffin. We've had Eclipse winner Natalie Voss, uh, the Dream Home or Dream Horse inspiration Jan Vokes. Um, we talked about Indian relay races with Alonzo from Fort Hall Indian Reservation. I mean, we've had some really unique and special interviews and got to see racing in multiple different ways, which I think is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. And the different jobs. I wish you had mm-hmm. written down all of the different jobs that off the track thoroughbreds have now. That which would have been would a be, good one. I mean, from dr- we all know dressage, show jumping, cross country, eventing, we all had those things. Therapy horses, ski touring. Yes, yeah. that was a big one. I learned about like taking horses through mounted shooting, which I'm like, how do you take an, a racehorse who's so ready to sprint and go at the sound of a gun to just this? Calm, collected. I'm doing my job. I'm going to get all these balloons. Yeah. I mean, there's so many the things Western that we sports. About. We're going to have Kristen on who has just reached the pinnacle of off the track thoroughbreds and like, and she lives the kind of the cowboy lifestyle. So we're going to talk to her and, and, uh, obviously Leandra is going to come on because it wouldn't be a, an episode without her. And so we'll talk a little bit more about things going on at new vocations. And it's just, uh, it's, it's going to be an awesome, awesome show. It's so going to be an you guys awesome here. show. Absolutely. And before we bring them on, I just want to thank our premier sponsor, Kentucky Performance Products, for signing on for another year and keeping the show going. Oh my God, I have to do this another year? No, surprise. Merry Christmas. I remember (laughs) when we started this, I said, okay, so we're going to, because I had signed up for the makeover and the whole idea was like, we'll do this until the makeover. And mm-hmm. here we go, keep going. She keeps calling. She keeps emailing. <laughs> I'm an annoying girl. That's how I get things done. KCP <laughs> has just been absolutely awesome, though. I mean, they they were kind of you along Karen from Kentucky Performance Products, along with you. This was definitely your brainchild. So uh, good job to you. And thanks. And, and again, Joy does everything. I do nothing. <laughs> Oh, thanks, Jamie. But especially thanks to Karen at KPP because, I mean, not just being our sponsor, I'm a huge fan of her products. I know you are, and I know New Vocations as well as the Retired Resource Project appreciates everything they do too. So huge thank you to them and happy holidays to them as well. But let's dive in and we're going to bring on our guest today. So we'll have Kristen. Hopefully I can add her to the stream. There we go. See, without George, we're useless. (laughs) We have Baby Yoda. Baby Yoda, welcome, welcome. (laughs) And we have Jen as well. Welcome, everybody. Hey, I have to give props to the hat that Leandra is wearing. Yeah. Seriously, the best. I'm like, she really went extra effort. I I went like a D plus, like D still past school, right? I have some wrapping paper on the floor I could pull out. At least Kristen's got her Christmas colors on. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So the hat was actually, it was a gift from the woman who runs our social media here for new vocations, Erica Larson. So, uh, she knew exactly the type of way that I would, uh, shamelessly wear the hat <laughs> around. I did in fact wear it to lunch, even the day that she gave it to me. So it's both a blessing and a curse to give me a hat like this, <laughs> but I enjoy it very much. Well, the oh thing gosh. I liked about it, though, is how understated it is. Yeah. You barely mm-hmm. notice it. I know. <laughs> I mean, if I were, I definitely feel like I could, in real life, sport these ears. It, it feels almost too natural. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. If anybody can pull it off, it's you, for sure. <laughs> yeah. 
Absolutely. <laughs> it's called well, desensitizing. You're getting the thoroughbreds used to yeah. a lot of the motion, you know? I think I'll need to try it with the helmet on. Just have it kind of out the sides. We'll see how it, you know. Just get one of the adjustable helmets with the dial. You'll yeah. be just fine. <laughs> I mean, well, I would love to hear uh, how your years went as well. well. And just, I feel like we've all had so much with the RRP, at the mega makeover. That was a ton going on. A lot of prep work, a lot of uncertainty, but you killed it. Like completely nailed something that... I don't know. I would have just had constant night sweats if that were me. Maybe you did. You don't have to say it because you made it look easy. <laughs> but I'm just in awe of you. And then Leandra at New Vocations, you guys have scored amazing grants. You're just getting these horses out into new homes. You have not had a you know really a calm period either there this year. But um, let's start with the Retired Racehorse Project. What is some of the most memorable moments of the year for you? I mean, I think definitely the mega makeover, like we actually had not all seen each other in person, like face to face really for what, like at least a, probably 18 months. What was the last time we had all been together before the mega makeover? And then finally we were able yeah, to. Yeah, I think it was just, the last makeover. Yeah. We never so. touched on that during interviews about this. I never even thought about that. Yeah, I think some of us got together in August at the office, um, but the first time that the whole staff and all the contractors were together since the previous makeover was at the makeover. So not only, you know, obviously was it special for all the people who got to participate, but it was really special for us as a staff to finally see each other again. And then, of course, to work together to to put on the happiest horse show on earth and and see how happy everybody else was to be there. You know, it was a, a really special more than a week, I guess, almost two weeks, really, when it was all said and done and all the time we spent in Kentucky. So that was the highlight of my year for sure. Love that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize from the outside looking in how spread out our staff is around the country. Like Kristen's in New York. Typically, I'm in Kentucky. Currently, I'm in Las Vegas. Um, mm-hmm. And we've got our main office in Maryland. We've got Julie, who does graphic design in Texas, um, a few others in Kentucky. So, we're, I'm always amazed at how dynamic the staff is because they collaborate so well virtually. And so that really lent itself well to everything that came with the pandemic when you couldn't do anything in person. And so it helped us not miss a beat when we went through all of those challenges. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it was really good to get back in person and actually see everyone that we get to work with every year at the makeover from the volunteers and our officials to the people who compete every year or the people who are competing for the first time this year and like had this as a bucket list item. It was really cool to be back together. I love that. And it's such, that like makes me want to cry a little bit because I never even thought about how emotional that could be or how impactful that could be. And I really think that was something across the board for even the competitors. It seemed like such a special year of a countdown to getting together, having collaboration, supporting other riders, you know, bringing these horses along and showing them off. It just seemed, I don't know, to just really offer something significant this year. Am I reading that right? Yeah. I think it was like an emotional victory for people too, just to, to have gotten through the pandemic. Yeah. I mean, through the pandemic, I don't know if we'll ever be through the pandemic, but you know, for, for people to say like, we did a thing and we did it together, even though everyone who participates in the makeover is you know equally spread far apart. I mean, we have people coming from what, I think 46 different States, wow. but it's that, that coming together and it's celebrating the thoroughbred together. That sense of camaraderie is so strong at the makeover that 
yeah, emotions were high all week, you know, in, in yeah. plenty of good ways. You know, people were just really excited to get together and celebrate and, and you know, achieve. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, it's, it's a competition, but I mean, you're really competing against yourself. You know, people don't really compete against each other. Everyone's just so happy to be there and cheer each other on. So it yeah, is it really definitely special. that kind of attitude there. It's, it's, uh, I mean, from the things like, okay, here, I'll fill up your water bucket because I have a, it's just, it's just something you wouldn't see at every type of horse show. There mm-hmm. was no, it just, everybody was there for the same purpose. And that was to, to, to show what off the tracks our birds can do. It was really cool. Yeah. We Absolutely. also talk about it being so much more camaraderie over competition. And I felt like this year that was just amplified there were so many connections of these horses who like during the pandemic, everyone went virtual, even the people who were already like pretty savvy with social media and, um, you know, online here, there and everywhere, everyone kind of gravitated to virtual outings and virtual this and virtual that. And so a lot of our competitors connected with their horses, previous connections. So this year at the makeover, we saw so many of these horses connections coming to the makeover. We even had one kid, Alex, who had made a lot of money on a horse while he was in college and then completed his college career and was interning at a few different tracks and everything. And when the entries came out from the makeover, he scanned the entries and saw this horse that he had bet on in college and like made enough money to pay for a lot of stuff one semester. And so he came out with the specific purpose of finding that horse because he'd never actually seen the horse in person and came out and met the people who now own the horse. He got to cool the horse out after one of the disciplines it competed in. And like, we just kept seeing those kinds of stories pop up this year more than any other year because people had the time to make those connections. It was, it was really neat to watch. I hope it kind of proliferates in the years to come and keeps people engaged in either if they're from the off track community, keeps them engaged in the on track world and um, these connections who are doing things with the future generations, maybe uh, relatives of their horses and also the people on the track who are getting a better understanding of what it means to transition a horse from racing to that next discipline. You never forget a horse that you win a lot of money on, by the way. <laughs> Work all week. Breeders' Cup Sprint. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In 2017, That's... I'm like, I, st- I still remember that horse. I wanted to get a jacket with his name on it. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. That's such amazing stories. And Kristen, you just do amazing work with the social media because I see all these stories coming through. I think today was one. It's like um, she's a mom who like got back involved with riding. And it, it just it gave her some time for herself. And she really loved just bonding with her horse and having the makeover. And you talked about, you know, in 2022, start your makeover journey. And it's, it's just a unique horse show to have. And it's a small team putting it on. Small team putting it on. But, you know, I think because we, we have the support of so, so many, you know, in the racing industry in the aftercare industry in the equestrian world, you know, so many people are getting behind our mission and helping us do the work that we do. So, you know, there is only a few of us working for the RRP in the office, but I mean, really like so many people are coming together through the work that we're doing, you know, to get behind the horses and, and to create the the drive for second careers. So, you know, it's, it's more than a job at this point, you know, it's really kind of our life's work. So we're all happy to, happy to be here. Awesome. I love it. I love it. Oh, 
Hi, Donna, Lori, Ellen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to have you guys with us too. Um, Leandra, let's jump to new vocations. How, how's everything? Cause last time we talked to you, you didn't have enough horses to like ready to adopt. Like we were like to the minute getting a horse ready for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, that's a, yeah, no, you're totally right. I was like to the minute trying to put a horse up online just so I could have somebody to talk about because they were getting adopted <laughs> so quickly and that hasn't really slowed down. So just this last month, a lot of my focus has been on getting horses ready to put up online just to get them out into that spotlight of the world, just so that people can, um, you know, get their hearts set on them. These horses can go home for the holidays. Already, December has been wild. I mean, we had nine horses leave in a week just here in Lexington. Wow. Um, this year has been outstanding. I think last year we had a really exceptional year with everyone going into quarantine for whatever reason that spawned a lot of interest in um, having those animals at home with them or being able to do something outside. And we had a ton of adoptions, but this year has uh, also been exceptional in its own ways. And we have really been able to learn a lot from that experience and apply it. So this year already, we have helped, we calculated over 525 horses and wow. we're able to support 140 or so horses in our program at any given time. And we almost always have a wait list, if not straight up always. So we are just um, continuously being able to provide this service and this safety net to horses and are not slowing down. So while I am not allowed to share the details of it, we are still actively uh, working on expanding that so that we will be able to help even more horses in more locations. So definitely, uh, you'll have to stay on the lookout for that sort of information. But we have had a lot of help as well. We were able to um, acquire grants from the TAA, the TCA, and the ASPCA, lots of letters, uh, again this year. And we're so grateful to have that support because it means that we're able to continue doing this. And obviously, like 525 horses in a year. And that's just to this point. So, And I can tell you that there are still horses being adopted out every day. Uh, it's just so exceptional. Like the fact that I can think about a horse who was adopted in January and be like, uh, which one was that? I have to go look at a picture of it. I mean, it's just a testament to, I mean, I guess one, my bad memory and two, just how many horses are coming through the program. Like that's really not a bad problem to have um, because we just are, are able to assist all these horses in finding their homes. And I have now a folder that I have kept uh, because we're just, you know, sometimes you'll, it's, I would say a lot of times we, um, you know, we just get stuck in this sort of engine of um, working with the horses, putting them online, getting them adopted. And sure, it could be easy to um, overlook some of those little details of it. So I started keeping a folder, uh, kind of like a gratitude folder. So when somebody would reach out and say, thank you so much for helping me find my best friend, this horse will be with me forever. Instead of just being like, Oh, that's really nice. And like moving on, like actually reading that I have a special folder set aside and I'll still go back through those. Cause it, it can be difficult to, um, 
just in the pace of everything to forget those little details. But um, that folder is like overflowing now. Okay. And well, I have one for you to add because I literally it. got this about five minutes ago. Okay. And it's from uh, a lady named Tanya. And she says, I adopted a four-year-old thoroughbred from New Vocations last week. And it's all your fault. Oh. <laughs> so I at least help. Uh, <laughs> he said, he's a super sweet gelding, racing royalty and handsome. I've listened to the podcast the retired racehorse podcast for over a year. She's going to take it slow, do lots of groundwork, foster the partnership. She said, I want to thank you and your team for showcasing this wonderful breed. I had thought an OTT was going to be way too much, but after listening to you guys, I feel like it's possible to find the right match. And it was so Aww, yay. Yay. Isn't that cool. And th- this person didn't know that we were doing this. So hi, Tanya. Yeah, hi, Tanya. <laughs> <laughs> writing in. <laughs> that's awesome. That is so fun. And I mean, that's, um, you know, at the essence of it, like, you know, we just, it's easy for me at least to sort of just like see the horses. And, you know, you talk to, I talk to a lot of people on the phone. Um, but, you know, slowing down and looking at all those individual stories, like 525 of those is absolutely nuts. Um, so to be able to continue to do that is, is so surreal and, and it's, um, it's a blast, but, uh, let's see. We also can't forget the breeders cup pledge this year, something that we've been doing for a long time. Um, we were able to raise over $150,000 from that alone. Um, again, just helps us to be able to continue to do this and to help the horses. So it's just really cool. Next year, 2022 will be our 30 year anniversary. We were founded by Dot Morgan in 1992. So, uh, we was that 30 years ago. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I don't, like don't that. say that because that's the year I was born. You can't <laughs> say up, you baby. <laughs> so it's a real thing. It's yeah, and yeah. I mean, just to be able to do that, this for thirty years and to be at our the point where we are is uh, it's wild. It's really wild. It's got to be a life dream. I mean, a dream job for you, Leandra. Oh, absolutely. This is the thing that uh, people told me I would never be able to do, but here I am. So. Yeah, right. Same. Uh huh. Suck it, Dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, we started the year like, what's everything going to look like? How is horse racing going to be? How's the industry going to look? Are we going to get this crazy influx of horses coming in? Yeah. And it, it seems like this demand to bring them home into second careers has just increased. It's such a pleasant yeah. surprise for all of us. Yeah. And it's, it's just amazing how adaptive it all is because there have been different fluctuations. Like it's, it definitely wasn't this overwhelming rush. Like we feared it could be, but even if that had happened, we were prepared for it. And there, it just, one of the things that has stood out the most, I guess, over the last two years, really the, the, biggest takeaways is that we're able to pivot and adapt and stretch and grow continuously. I mean, probably not indefinitely, nothing's indefinite, but it just is really awesome to see uh, all the different ways that we have continued to be able to help these guys, no matter what happens. Um, So even things like if we have more rehab horses coming in that we can pivot and help all of those guys And, uh, one of the things that has been a personal accomplishment of mine has been working on getting some of those rehab adoptions up. We didn't used to have them. It was a little bit different on our website, but just being able to 
appropriately match the right type of people for horses who might just need a little more time. Scary mm-hmm. because it's like, all right, well, I haven't sat on this one. And like, am I going to be able to match them with the right person? And we've been able to grow that. So, uh, and match them with people who can handle that and who want to handle that, who like that bonding time and really uh, help us to then open up the stall to another one and continue to keep helping those guys. So just being able to do that, Facebook live videos, I mean, all the different sort of ways, but just even that the demand for off-track thoroughbreds, none of it would be possible if people just kind of, um, if that all disappeared. So it is programs like this really help a lot, just like with Tanya to, to help to be able to show people that they can totally do it. And, uh, yeah, it's, it has been quite the year. Amazing. Wow. Thank you to new vocations. Thank you to retired racehorse project, like efforts you guys do. Thank you for partnering with us and making the show happen. I remember talking to Glenn about it back in 2018 and saying, I really would love to get with these two groups. Like they're making a difference. They're always a step ahead. And, with a pandemic and everything shutting down, you have not proven me wrong in that. I could not wish for a better team to be working with. So thank you guys. Well, you guys pick such good topics for the show too. Like you have such compelling topics and things that resonate with so many people. You've really made a difference with this show too. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, it's helping to reach it. a new audience for sure because it's not, you know, it's not within our bandwidth to also do a podcast on top of everything else we do. So, you know, the fact that you guys are, you know, fighting this fight and helping us reach new audiences and and starting, you know, a, a new generation of thoroughbred people. So, you guys are doing yeah. good work. Well, thank and you. And I could never do the tech stuff. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> neither are we. We're you. we're surviving, but man, I miss George. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Jamie, thank you for everything you do with Horse and Hound too, and sharing your stories of how you're retraining them. I know it really makes impact for the listeners to hear how you're doing. So it's thanks for all of that. It really contributes to making a difference. Well, it's it's been unbelievable. I didn't anticipate this. We started out with the ASPCA grant a couple of years ago, I think 2018. And we've now been able to turn and make our program self-sufficient still accepting grants, <laughs> but <laughs> at least we've been able to kind of make it self-sufficient to where, you know, there's only the couple, Larry and Nelda run the rescue and then I do the training. So I go pick up horses in Guthrie by myself and drive up there and then bring them home and, and train them. And, and the idea of making these, I just post short videos, not every day, but almost every day of the progress. And the idea wasn't to like, The whole idea was just like, hey, uh, look what I'm doing something with this horse. And I had no idea that it would transform into like people are waiting to see what I'm posting to see which one they want. Like I have like a list of people that I want this. I want this. I'm like, just watch the page because it's been amazing. And I think before we started training the horses and I started the social media or before I was associated with them because I, I met them because uh, I met horse and rescue because I got my makeover horse from there. And that's how the whole thing started. So look what the makeover has got its hands into now because, because of the makeover last year, they typically <laughs> would adopt out about 30 horses. And last year we adopted out by January, by December 31st, 102. Which is awesome. This year, it's December 20th, and we're at 81, which is unbelievable. And so Mm -hmm. to to, to have such a small team of 
of people. And there's some awesome volunteers, of course, that are involved in Horse and Hound. But to be able to like help that, it started with... I mean, thinking about it, I didn't even think about that. It started with the RRP because that's how mm-hmm. I got this relationship with them. And, and, um, and yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, it's like, like Leandra said, we're living our dream job. And that's again, the- everybody always said, you can't do that. Nobody pays anybody mm-hmm. to ride and train horses. Like, that's not a thing. And my dad was like, you need to get in the insurance business where the money is. <laughs> Like, or I just want to ride horses for a living. So it's such a, such a cool thing to be able yeah. to, to do that for a, for a living. What an epic year. Cashel Company helps you enjoy the ride with their full line of trail bags and tush cushions. From cantle bags to horn bags and everything in between, comfort and convenience on the trail is what Cashel does best. To stay up to date with the latest products and news, follow Cashel Company on Facebook and Instagram. And to find their products, visit an authorized dealer or visit cashelcompany.com. That was a great transition into our next segment, which is going to be listener training questions. And I would love everyone's input and different perspectives on some of these questions. Because Kristen, you come from the Western world. Obviously, Leandra, you're offering our training tips every episode. You you are no hidden secret on this podcast. And then Jen, you also are a hunter jumper, correct? Yeah, yeah, I do that. And I start horses for the track. There, See, she's just multi-talented in so many and ways. How awesome is it? She didn't say, I break horses for the track. Thank no, you. I know, that's she just so did a hard, great right? foundation. <laughs> It drives me crazy. It's, it's like, a trigger. Yeah. It's a trigger word. Exactly. <laughs> it's a trigger word. <laughs> the millennial point out that it's a trigger. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And then I'm just a, an amateur writer who likes positive reinforcement. Obviously, Jamie, everyone knows that you're a Monty Roberts certified instructor. Unless you're new to the show, then welcome. Thanks for listening to our holiday episode. But yeah, so we all have something different to add and bring perspectives in. So y- y'all ready for the first question? Oh boy. Here we go. Okay. So the first one comes from Sarah, who's actually with us today. So hi, Sarah. She says she has a young OTTB mare that likes to add a crow hop. And shortly after she asked for the canter, she's been tested for ulcer. She has a gel pad to make sure the saddle fits as well as possible. Um, What's the best way to teach her? That's not the nicest way to go into the canter. And she also adds, it doesn't happen all the time and is almost always when she hasn't been able to go outside due to bad weather. She's also from New Vocation. She's Nettie's legacy. Oh, Nettie. (laughs) (laughs) Who would like to start with that one? Do you remember Nettie's legacy, Leandra? I sure do. And then you take this one. (laughs) Um, well, yeah, so I think you, you're off to a great start because we always like to give them the benefit of the doubt that there's something bothering them. Um, you know, the, the only thing I could hear could possibly be missing is get her looked at by a chiropractor because things like having a rib out can be really painful for them and they can be reactive to it. So even if they're trying to be good, they might have those moments where they're like, yeah, this hurts. Uh, and that's fair. You know, I've seen horses who it's like a rib out or the SI or, um, like the startup where you're like, wouldn't have thought about that. How'd that get out? But then they're, you know, then they're like looping out of your hands while the chiropractor's adjusting them. Um, and it's not something that you obviously would ever want to like get stuck in a maintenance routine of like people get scared of that when you say chiropractic work, but the whole point is to get them back to a balanced 
place. So then you can build muscle to support that adjustment because doing it without the supportive muscle is kind of no point. Uh, I mean, just a temporary relief at best. But I would also just look at how you're asking and um, when you're asking. So um, like I would say with crow hopping, like in my experience, that tends to be from discomfort. So like my first guess would be having a, uh, have a chiropractor look at them and also body work. I mean, if you know somebody who does body work or you can kind of learn some basic things on your own, because it just helps you to target a location. If that's bothering them, if you know, like they'll tell you what hurts if you're listening and you know how to listen. And uh, so I would always start there, but then if it's just something that has become part of a routine or she learns that maybe she can like get out of cantering, if you know that they can, they're not, dumb. They can learn things. Um, so I would try switching it. I would, you know, like ask her a canner as part, like do, um, especially if you're saying that this is like something, if she hasn't been turned out, um, you know, you can always start with like groundwork obviously, and try to see what her transitions are like there. If it's just like when you're on and not on the ground, um, try to do the same sort of thing. I mean, work them in a circle. You can sort of warm up, do a smaller circle, work to a bigger circle, go back to it and then just like work it in. So it doesn't become like a, um, a new, like a, what's the word I'm looking at? Like a pillar, like a new thing where you're just like, and we canter. Cause some people will do like walk, trot, canter, back to walk. We're done. And that, that can be boring. It can be create, you know, muscles that only produce like one type of, um, movement support. So just switch it up as much as you can. So like something like that, or, you know, picking up a can or across a diagonal, something you wouldn't try, but I would just say, just try something different and listen to what their response is. And it's going to help you figure out what's at the root of that. Cause it's especially something that's, um, you're noticing at specific times or specific intervals or in specific situations that it's important to sort of ask them what's wrong and then listen to the response so you can get to the bottom of it. Good answer. That was really good. She always has the best answer. I know. It's like she does this. So I'm nice to hear what you guys have to say. We don't have to try to stop with that, right? Like we can just let that be the answer. (laughs) The only thing I would add is, is just be cautious of like, you know, it's going to happen when she's not been turned out a lot. So either her body hurts a little bit or she's a little stiff or you and, and maybe do a lot more long and low warm up. you know, get a really yeah. moving and get that blood flowing before you're like, giddy up, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think also like I, uh, you know, I like, <laughs> we, we took on, I say we, it's like me and my assistant trainer, uh, decided we were going to participate in, there's like a squat challenge for December. So you do 50 squats every day. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure over. you tra- challenged me and I gave you the middle finger. So You're like, no, just like, like, that's not going to happen, but thanks for that. Uh, so, so we've been doing that and that has surely taught me all the weak spots that I have. But like, I, I think of like, whatever clicking sound would start happening in my hip at a certain point, it just like points those things out to you. So, I mean, sometimes when they're co-oping or like doing that, it's kind of like, like shaking out, but obviously you don't want to just be like, Oh, you're just shaking it out, you know, whatever. Like a lot of that tends to be somewhere between like 
just a whatever discomfort, um, you know, muscle or because there's something else or some combination of those things. But like, I always try to think of it like the same sort of thing where I'm like, yeah, my hip kind of pops and I kind of like shake my leg out, like <laughs> whatever. But uh, yeah, definitely good things to like be attentive to for those because they're learning new skills and they're having to warm up and it's just, you know, different athletic pursuits, but um, mm-hmm. they, they go through a lot of the same sort of things. Good answer. Hope that helped you, Sarah. Absolutely. All right. Next question. Hannah asks, I'm thinking about adopting an OTTB. What are some tips on developing a quality bond with them? And how soon can I begin saddle work? I'm handing this over to you guys first because I am just good at talking. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I don't think there's a better way to create a bond than join up, which is the, the Monty Roberts concept of like, causing the horse to want to be with you rather than away from you. And if you have a horse that wants to be with you, all that other stuff comes so much easier when the horse actually wants to stand next to you and likes you and has chosen you as like, okay, you're the person I'm safe with you and I'm going to stand next to you. And so if you haven't, uh, seen join up or anything like that. I mean, you can go on YouTube. There's also Monty Roberts university, which has a billion videos. Um, but creating that, that to me is the foundation when these horses come into me, um, you know, they get off the trailer. They're like, Oh my God, where, you know, not, some, some, some of them are freaked out. Some of them are like, okay. And I try to do a join up with them the day they arrive. I do give them a lot of downtime that first day, but at some point I pick them up in the morning and then in the evening we'll do a join up. And that is, it's weird how they're like, oh my God, people speak my language here. Thank you. You know, it's like, like all of a sudden they have this comfort level and this trust level that would not have occurred had you not proven to them that you're going to speak horse. You're not going to make them speak English. You're going to speak their language. And they, and again, Leander, I'll just keep going too. So y'all just, uh, <laughs> just turn my mic off. When you stop. But definitely, uh, you know, and if it's an off the track thoroughbred, they've seen the saddle, they've seen the bridle. They've seen what, what I do find is, is interesting to me is they, you can put a saddle on them. You can put a bridle on them. You can put a rider on them, but standing on the mounting block, they're like, why is that person up there? Cause they're not used to somebody coming down on them. They're used to the rider getting tossed up, you know? So you have to, it would be interesting for everybody to go to a racetrack on the backside and watch how the horses are handled and mm-hmm. see what a day in the life of a racehorse is. And it'll give you such a better perspective. So I galloped at Keeneland when I was like young and dumb and uh, <laughs> brave. And so to see the life that those horses live on a daily basis, it answers a lot of the training questions that you may have later on. Like, why won't my horse stand at the mounting block? I don't know, mm-hmm. because nobody's ever done that to them before. So yeah. to to be able to go to see that, and Keeneland is open to the public, so you can just walk on in there. They don't care. Um, but to see that, but also just to create, you know... They have, they, they can accept a rider, they can accept a saddle, they can accept a bridle. But what Leandra and I have talked about this whole like years of this show is that they don't do all those other things. They, yeah. nobody's leg is any further than this. I mean, aside from when Jen starts them, the rest of their career is not, they don't understand leg pressure. So they don't know how to go, they don't know how to stop, they don't know how to turn, they don't understand what legs are. So you have to figure out a way to introduce us. I longline everything when it first comes. So I start 
I do a join up and then I'll put the tack on them because the horse wants to stand next to me. And I had a horse come in that they showed me video. They were like, you can't saddle him. He's really bad. And they sent me a video of the horse rearing while they were saddling him. He got ruled off of three racetracks and they were attacking him up and they had somebody on the lip chain and then they had one, the trainer was on the near side and then a groom was on the off side and they would have to walk him in the paddock continuously to get that saddle over and on him and stuff. I never had one problem because the horse is like, oh, I actually want to be with you rather than away from you. So you can start with that. And then I put the long lines through the stirrups, you know, attach the stirrups. I use like a stirrup leather under the belly and I attach the stirrups to each other. So you can just make those like the little channels that go through. So you put your reins through those and drive them and let them understand what turning is and what stopping is and back them up with the long lines. It's so much easier to teach them to back up when they don't have to deal with your weight. Um, so all of those things are kind of the first steps of restarting an off the track thoroughbred in, in, in my world anyway. I, I think love that's that. so true as well, because it what you're talking about is testing what they do and don't know and what gaps there are in their training. And I, I'm totally with you. I, I start horses very similar to how I restart horses. Yeah. Long lining is always part of that. And just kind of going through that, the motions of like, this is who I am. Tell me who you are and yes. trying to get to know them a little bit and taking incremental steps. I think that's super key too. like finding easy wins. If they're super nervous about standing around, maybe cross ties isn't what you need to start with. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like just finding ways for them to like find some confidence in themselves and in you, whether it's just hanging out, watching other people ride their horses or going for walks or being turned out or anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Plug here too. Um, the RRP's YouTube library. We have a lot of our old webinars recorded. So if you want me to talk at you for another hour, um, there's a couple of our old webinars um, that we do usually January, February, March. And it's all about different ideas on ways to continue your training when you cannot physically get on the horse and ride it. Um, So it does include a lot of groundwork. Um, A lot of it is just based on my own experience because we have a family farm in New York and we have, we're really short on riding spaces, but we're really long on unique enrichment opportunities. So, uh, so we, I do a ton of very random groundwork, um, sort of unique experiences for my horses in the winter because it's just not physically safe all the time for me to get on and go ride out in the snow. So, um, so yeah, if you find the Retired Resource Project on YouTube, you can find our old webinars with a lot of um, ideas like that to get you started, especially in the winter months. This is a really good time to tackle a lot of that and then God, I want to ride with you in the warm out then you're ready to ride I know I want to ride with you in the winter so bad <laughs> the snow and chasing gals looks so fun Absolutely. yeah everyone's like oh you must do a lot of fun riding in the snow and I, I have one horse right now that I feel pretty confident in his training that I yeah. can go ride out in the snow unfortunately it's not one of my thoroughbreds love it love it these are great answers everyone thank you i mean the only thing i was going to say is i really encourage curiosity so i started this or wanted to start this podcast because i got my thoroughbred i've only worked with arabs which is a whole nother show to deal with but 
I never had to take a horse who spoke a completely different language before. And she was so hesitant to try something new. And Leander, you might remember Effie, who's now Astrid, uh-huh. so hesitant to just go for something. She was waiting to be corrected and not that new vocations to that. That's what she learned from the track. And, um, so we really worked with positive reinforcement. We first started with what treats are, how to not be muggy, going through with having some space in between you, whether it's a stall or a fence line, whatever it is. And I always use alfalfa pellets just as a safe, non-sugary thing. And anytime she approached something or touched something out of her own curiosity, we rewarded for that. And she slowly started building confidence in herself. And everything new that we started doing became a game. And she was so eager to work. And it's really paid off in her just being eager and excited. And we have such a strong bond. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think that that, uh, I was going to say there's one horse that I remember from like five years ago who like the light switch that turned and like changed everything was when like this horse would fight about everything and you just knew when you'd get on, it would be this big battle. And I remember there was just one moment where I was just like, eh, you tried for like maybe a quarter of a split second and I just gave a big pat on his neck. I could mm-hmm. tell you exactly where I was in the ring when that happened because he was like, what? I didn't think. <laughs> And it was like, that was a game changer for him where he was just like, oh, I think I kind of like that. And it was like, I mean, truly the, one of the most dramatic cases I can possibly remember of like, from that moment on, we made progress from that exact moment. And I was mm-hmm. like, what? How did that just change that quickly? But he was like, huh, that was kind of nice. Uh, and it's like people just, I think, get so consumed in telling and not listening or mm-hmm. doing and not being that they, they get so distorted by just like the human ego voice in your head. It's like in order to be the best horseman you can be, your job is to turn off that human ego, that voice that just is like the, we're very verbal. This is how we communicate. I'm going to tell you what to do, like turn off your human brain and just listen and sort of try to work on communicating and bridging that gap between what they know uh, and what they don't know and where you want to get. Like that's the basis of so much of it. I think it would shock people if they saw us most of the time in the barn with how hands off we are. Like we do not baby the horses. Um, There's a lot of things like if I'm lunging and a horse um, got themselves like on the other side of a standard and then they kind of like swing around and they're like, well, I'm, I'm stuck. You know, like obviously if they're uh, if there's a safety risk, like we'll intervene. But a lot of times I'll be like, you're stuck. What are you, what are you going to do? You know, and just like and like you don't have to go rush over and like help them find their way around the standard. I'm like, okay, what are you gonna do? I did. I love that, and then it, it is part of it. I think another part of it too is that you guys, when when the horses are on the track, they're in the stalls for 23 hours a day, and then they're out of the stalls for at least an hour. Be hand walking, be getting down to the track, be doing their gallops, doing their breeze, whatever, and then they're back hand walking again to they're out of their stall for an hour. So. So work to them. You want to, what Leander was saying is you want to cause the horse to want to do what you want it to do. You can't make a thoroughbred do anything or you're going to have problems. So you want to cause them to want to do it, but probably, and I don't, I know we haven't discussed this Leander, but you know, sometimes my first ride is two and a half minutes long. Oh, yeah. like you have to prove to them constantly that the world has changed everything is different and that is not in existence anymore. You know, you have people that 
that, you know, you can pay $10 to get a license to work on the backside and they don't, all those people don't have a ton of horse experience. So a lot of things, your horse just hasn't been taught, you know, anthropomorphizing horses and they're, they're this and they're that. No, literally they're just, listen, they, they, they don't, they don't speak English. They don't have that part of their brain that is, that is always conniving. They're going to do this next time. Just they're literally horses and they live in the moment and they live through their experiences. And if you can figure out a way to cause a horse to want to do it. And like you said, those, those first rides back, they should be minutes, minutes. And so many people get on, they're like, you know, as an eventer, especially like, you're like, get their heart rate up. We got to get them fit. We got to get them to all these things. Not today. I always say, I, I start out, yes, I start out yesterday by saying, and it was like the kiss of death right there, the jinx. But I said, okay, guys, we have a plan. We're just not going to fall in love with it. <laughs> so <laughs> have a plan. Don't fall in love with it. And about an hour later, my mare tried to like, you know, kill herself. So she's fine. Um, but, but you just have a, have a plan. Don't fall in love with it and let the horse tell you what it needs that day. Excellent. That's a great note to end on, Jamie. Thank you. I can talk horses with you ladies all day. We should do this yes. all the time. I know every podcast now. <laughs> Arena saddles are beautifully styled with meticulous attention to detail. Classically crafted from European leather, riders will appreciate the elegance and quality of Arena saddles. Whether you're competing in dressage, jumping a course, or riding on the trail, there's a perfect Arena saddle for you. The Arena All-Purpose Saddle has been carefully developed for you and your horse's comfort in mind with a balanced all-purpose seat, giving you support to move with your horse in total harmony. With saddles for every discipline priced at just $15.99, there is an Arena Saddle that's perfect for you. To view the full range of Arena Saddles or find a retailer, visit arenasaddles.com. Well, we have about 10 minutes left. And I think it'd be fun to do a speed round of some questions if you guys are game. So the first one will be horsey. And then I have some not so horsey. Sound All right. Good? Well, you, you, you do point to each one of us and say our name and we'll answer it. We're just listening at this point. Okay. Well, let's, uh, I think they're easy enough because they're just a rapid fire. So you can go ahead and uh, let's do it alphabetically. So we'll have Kristen, Leandra, Jamie, Jen. That's the order. That was really good of you to come up with that so quickly. I am. Thank so you. <laughs> I used to be Is Jen or Jamie? J-A-B-C. Okay. Good. <laughs> all right. All right. Rapid fire. Here we go. How did you get started in horses in 60 seconds or less? Uh, riding lessons at a barn starting when I was eight. I actually started with summer camp. It was a 4-H barn. Hunter Jumper. Now I'm a ranch okay. rider. All right. Leandra. Apparently, horsey was my first word. So I like to say it was just Wilton. Somebody (laughs) with that bug early on. But I started, I just campaigned until they would let me in uh, to the summer horse camp. Same thing, Hunter Jumper Barn. That was local. And then it was all downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I was that snotty kid that wanted a pony and cried every Christmas when it wasn't under the tree. Because, like, I thought they could somehow put a horse in a box in the tree. And, uh, when I was six years old, my parents bought a piece of property in Atlanta as an investment property. And it had this like super old, terrible barn. And they got me my first pony who was 31 at the time. And, uh, and then it was all downhill from there. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough when you get a pony and it's already 31. Yeah. Yeah. It, 
it didn't last that long, but it wasn't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) Mine was like, I was three or four years old at an amusement park called Connie out Lake park in Northeast Ohio, taking pony rides. And they'd have like a walking ring and then a jogging ring and the experienced riders pony riders, <laughs> could do the jogging. And I'd always try to get my horse to canter instead of jog into <laughs> lobbying for lessons. And then hounding my dad to take me to thistle down to watch horses on the backside and that kind of thing. Love it. Enjoy. Um, my parents bred Arabians and tried to do specialized Arabians called Pintavians. Horrible. <laughs> Horrible idea. <laughs> Let's breed uh, something really high strung for color. Let's high strung with a quarter horse stubbornness. It's just who thought, whoever thought that was a good idea, dad. Anyways, that's how I got started. And then I made it to the dark side and got a thoroughbred as a, an adult. So, thinking <laughs> man's horse. So, you know. Yeah. I had, to get, I had to get a real, plus I'm like five foot eight. So I can't ride a 14 hand horse forever. <laughs> All right. Next question. What are your barn or competition colors? Oh gosh. Um, whatever shirt coordinates with the OTTB pad from the RRP store that I'm using that day. Love it. <laughs> nice. Uh, well, new vocation colors are teal. Well, color primarily is teal. So there's usually like teal, black, white complementing my business before that when it was just me was uh like a royal blue and gold Ooh, i like that uh my barn color is whatever is on the clearance rack i buy <laughs> sorry <It's, laughs> i like i have every color down there i like to think that i've always been like a navy blue and like hunter green like a little cream mixed in there no it's literally whatever's on sale i buy but, sorry i like that quality. My, my color is clearance, okay? <laughs> oh, that's the best color. It looks good on everyone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> for, for me, the farm that my husband and I own, our silks are white with royal blue, um, like a cat scratch for the... Oh, cool. Cat. So it's anything we have is usually white and royal blue with like a gray trim, if that's available. Love but, it. So I'm a big I fan did. of clearance track. I'm with you. <laughs> I dig those silks, so that's cool. What about um, you, Joy? I wish it was like rose gold and black, but I have a very, very red chestnut, so it doesn't look very good. So <laughs> we ruin do, everything. It's true. It's just we try, it doesn't work. So we do teal and whites for ours. Woo-hoo. That's my favorite color combination for equestrian sports, FYI. I love it. And it's just classic. It's just so nice. <laughs> okay. Well, who We're was not very f- rapid fiery with you. No, because we care about our answers. There's too much slow burn. I know. I'm like, I'm going to pick a story about why I feel this way. All right. You'll love this question. Who was the, or who's the thoroughbred you love the most, like the most inspirational for you? Like mm, I mean, horse or like no, like a but... personal horse or like a, a racehorse. Racehorse. Okay. Oh, Gunrunner. That was the horse that like brought me back around to racing. Was cheering for him, and I got to see him in person at Breeders' Cup at Del Mar. That was really cool. Hmm. I also had to restrain myself from trying to hug him when I saw him at three cheese. <laughs> I didn't think they would let me do that. He might bite you. He might. <laughs> Uh, touch a class because she's in the 
the Hall of Fame for show jumping. Uh, easy, easy goer was my gateway racehorse. I saw him run uh, against Sunday Silence, and and he just kept getting there, and finally he got there in the Belmont. And um, right then, I was like, I have to have. I was ten or eleven. I have to have a chestnut thoroughbred with a star. And then I was that child until I got one. I was, <laughs> and I had, and then I, so the, the horse that I did get was a chestnut with a star and I had him from the age of 10 until 28 years old. So he was like a, like a brother. So love it. I love it. Mine. I can't, I feel bad. I can't remember the horse's name, but I can see in my mind's eye exactly what she looks like. And it was this chestnut filly that was the first horse I ever rode on an actual racetrack. And it was at Keeneland, Jamie, I'm just like you. That's how I paid for college was riding at Keeneland. And I remember, um, a trainer liked me up on this horse. We walked through the barns up to the track and we jogged. And then, you know, you stand there before you turn around to gallop. And I remember sitting on this chestnut and she was almost kind of a livery chestnut. And I was playing with her mane looking down because I was almost overcome with tears, which is not like me at all. But I was like, I am on a racehorse on one of the best tracks in the country. And like, I've worked so hard for this and I've made it and I love this game so much. I love these horses so much. And, and I hope I don't get bucked off when we go galloping (laughs) down the racetrack, but I can remember that feeling of like sitting there on her and feeling how powerful she was and how ready she was to go and just playing with her mane and like being where you dreamt you would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. I love that. Uh, For me, I'd say Rachel Alexandra is definitely mine. It's one of the first horses I started following when my dad uh, showed me horse racing. And I learned that he bet in secret from my mom. (laughs) That was a big bonding thing for us. And we started watching racing after that together. So awesome. All right. And the last horse question, then we'll jump into some that are be like really easy rapid fire. We're not going to be as attached. All right. What is your go-to pump up song before the horse show? Oof. Oh my God. If Kirsten Green was here and anyone said my <laughs> <Was> song. Just- <laughs> this is my, my bad song. associates with like the makeover or the freestyle or anything. Glad I didn't use that in my freestyle. Jeez, make a note of that. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't know. This year it's been the um the greatest showman soundtrack has got me That's going. a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like all of them, like any song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm ready. Um I feel like most of the people at the barn who have seen me, like maybe not in the show ring, but before I'm about to get on a horse that I know will probably prefer that I'm on the ground, I will turn on ACDC. Yes. You're so like cool. Thunderstruck, Back in Black. It's mm-hmm. really, there's a whole variety of it. But if you hear ACDC on and I'm about to get on a horse, like there's a purpose. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I, 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 t- I interviewed Daniel Stewart a couple of times and he always talks about when you're in the warm up, sing a song that's appropriate for the horse that you're riding. So I, <laughs> I song lyrics will pop into my head. Like with my Mustang, he was always like, he's 15 hands. So he just, you know, and he just trot super fast. And I would sing the feeling groovy Simon and Garfunkel, slow down. You move too fast. You got to make this moment last. <laughs> and so I would sing that to him. And I remember um, my 
event horse, Jet, he, we, we did our first, we did a couple of trainings and I just remember singing, uh, I got a feeling tonight's mm-hmm. gonna be a good night. <laughs> you probably didn't ask for singing, but I do that. I give that to you. That's a gift. Yes. No, so, that's yeah, okay. It's all complaints. Go to Jen at Horse Radio. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we'll be not singing. <laughs> yeah, You'd have been I, better off the other way. Don't think I'm fooling anybody. <laughs> I listen to ridiculous hardcore rap when I ride, but I, yes, I will say yes. I find that the horses kind of tune into the beat and I tend to tune into the beat and it's kind of a relaxation thing, but there's a song, which is not hardcore rap, but it's hard um, by God smack. And I can't remember what the name is, but the lyrics are something like I'm doing the best I ever do did. I'm doing the best that I can. And I always feel like that's all of us. We're just doing the best that we can and we try every day. Well, mine's, Mine's not as impactful. It's uh, bringing sexy back by Justin Timberlake. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. Did she mean these pants? Look at that. I'm like, I have to get some sort of confidence and white breeches for a dressage show. That's awesome. I want to amend mine. If um, if my husband (laughs) and I are going out to round up cows on our extremely small farm in New York, we like to listen to the Yellowstone theme song. Because I'm uh, like we're on a massive ranch in Montana, even though cows <laughs> on like a three acre section. We're like, we are cowboys. We, <laughs> it's all about the vibe. Are transported. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. That was fun. Thanks guys for participating in that. We'll do some easy, easy ones now. Maybe this one won't be easy. Oh boy. What would your job be if you weren't in horses? I would like to say I'd be a professional knitter, but I don't think that's actually. <laughs> <laughs> I do actually really like the cows, so I, I might just be on the farm full time, just without the horses, mm-hmm. just out there She's looking at putting cows. the glove on, getting in there. <laughs> yeah, doing all the messy stuff too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um, I messy. would probably be a marine biologist because I really love the ocean and I really love whales but like among other sea creatures but i just oh love it i could see you giving training tips from the dolphins and stuff right, like that like dolphin trainers? <laughs> do that? Niche, but definitely yeah uh, i've been asked this before and i never could come up with an answer um because i've done radio and horses and i I love both of those and i've kind of done both of those throughout my professional career but i think that if I couldn't be either one of those, I would be a, I would try to be a stand-up comedian. I'm not funny <laughs> oh, enough. I love it. I, love I, it. I was told that, I, that that's what you would do. So apparently oh, well. that's what I'll do. <laughs> well, I Cause I kind of do it halfway already. I'm a partner in a marketing agency. So if I wasn't doing horses, I'd be doing, mar- doing marketing full time. Cause I think whether it's, I don't know, using words in different ways or writing or telling stories, whether it's, stories or otherwise i think that's just kind of where i gravitate to i want to tell good stories love it i do have a muggle job i don't get to work with horses full-time because i'm lame uh but i work in a consulting firm right now for communications and uh leadership training but i think if i wasn't doing that i think i'd want to be a forensic scientist honestly Ooh, i just want to solve mysteries and cold cases all day yes that's cool. i think that'd be fun <laughs> All right. What is your go-to holiday drink? And you can just shout it out. We don't have to go in an order. 
Does drinking differ during the holidays and regular times? That's up to you. You're allowed to interpret this. You can say quantity, quality, whatever. (laughs) Time of day, like day drinking. That becomes a thing in the holidays. It's dark at four. I mean, I discovered a French 75 the other day, which is champagne and a little bit of lemon juice and like a flowery floral gin. Oh, highly recommend. Really good. (laughs) That sounds That's, really good. I might have that tonight. Sounds really I'm good. I'm going out to dinner. Put the recipe in the show notes for that one. <laughs> got it. Got it. All the cocktail drinks. Skip to this uh, about an hour in. <laughs> Skip to 104. Too. <laughs> I say for my, I love a cranberry and basil Moscow mule. Ooh, also, sounds amazing. Uh, also, mm-hmm. recipe in the show notes. Thank you. We have a new segment on Retired Racehorse Radio. We're going to steal it from Heels Down Happy Hour, and we're going to do a cocktail recipe. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Name everyone after a famous racehorse, and then it's you know. Yes. There you go. Ah, that's on me. Like that. See, we're great. Uh, uh, dr- drinks. I mean, I don't discriminate. Like it's it's it's. I like a, it's it's some, in the summer clearance. Exactly. In the summer <laughs> I drink Corona and in the winter I drink bass, you know, there you go. like a darker beer in the winter. So there's that's Christmassy. Sure. Love it. And then just vodka before and after. So, yeah. <laughs> what about you, Leandra? Um, I just, yeah, I don't really discriminate, I guess. So my like go-to drink is always a Greyhound. Uh, and then I had a, a version of that in when I was in Saratoga Springs, one bartender, not sure if he made it up, uh, but it was, he called it an Italian Greyhound, which was, uh, so Greyhound is grapefruit juice and vodka. And because of my, uh, my grandmother, I am w- proudly a vodka snob. So I always prefer Grey Goose. And so gray goose and grapefruit, and then that kind of rolls off the tongue. So it's easy. And then you put a sprig of rosemary in there and then you call it a day. And that, I feel like you could just, you could work the citrus angle is like, you know, you get those, um, like those citrus boxes at Christmas time, but then it's also kind of summery and it's just, it's like greyhound all the time. That's it. Not Christmas all year round. I love it. It's Christmas all year round. I love it. Okay. Fun question. What is the most embarrassing or least favorite Christmas gift you've ever received? Hmm. We should have got these ahead of time. <laughs> no, that's not fun. <laughs> I feel like there was definitely at some point in my youth when I was established as the horse girl that like well-intended, but had no knowledge at all. Horse relatives were like, it has a horse on it. It's real. <laughs> Thanks. You know, like the, the dream catcher and rearing horse. And giving you yeah. things with the wrong horse sport, like giving oh, you yeah. like a Tennessee walking horse, something, you know. Oh yeah. That's always a gated breed. No offense. Yeah. Like, I don't need that. Yeah. I own. yeah. I gotta make sure my mother-in-law is gone. Oh, Ma. Okay, she was picking up my kid. Cause I got to dine her out real quick. <laughs> so last Christmas, I open my stocking and she gives like everybody a pretty substantial gift in their stocking and everybody opens theirs and they all get cool stuff, you know, and, uh, she, I pull out two. Now, let me point out, I've been a vegetarian for 35 years of 35 of my 44 years have been a vegetarian, not a new thing. And she gave me two buy one, get one free coupons for an entree at a local steakhouse. <laughs> and I huh. thought she was kidding. And I was like, that's hilarious. She was like, I think you'll really like the place. And I was like, what? Oh, no. it's, a, it's a steak place. 
and it's buy one, get one free entree mm-hmm. at a steak mm-hmm. place. And that was my Christmas gift. Just okay. get a really big salad. <laughs> yeah, big salad they, they, without yeah. bacon because they don't even have those in steakhouses. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. That was mine. Go ahead, Jen. What was yours? I think you win. I think you win. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, I don't have a, a good one. I mean, I have also given lame gifts. I've gotten lame gifts. My parents actually last year, they were like, oh, Jen, Jen does wear vests all the time. <laughs> They're like, Jen wears vests all the time. We'll get her this vest. And it was very much built for like a 70 year old man, not a 40 year old man. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it just a lot of pockets. <laughs> Oh, he's slotting and it was oddly like short but large. It was just not my mind. <laughs> and they insisted on a picture of it, so they sure got one. I would really like a picture too. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Joy. Uh mine some people wouldn't think it's lame. I think it's lame. I got a fly fishing pole and I I hate fly fishing. There is no <laughs> so suggestion. Oh, wrong like I have no idea why. It'd be like my husband getting me golf clubs. Like yeah, that's yeah. such a weirdly specific gift. Yes, well, yeah. it was something that that person really enjoyed doing. See, exactly. And I'm like, let's let's do some math. I'm a horse person. I work full time, so weekends are for horses. Why did you get me a fishing pole? Can I? I don't know who this was, but I'm pretty sure you probably divorced him in the past year. So oh, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's no longer giving her Christmas gifts. <laughs> there you go. Oh, fun. All right. She's still angry, by the way. It's every day. Just kidding. <laughs> now, now I get pie for Christmas. Uh, speaking of cake or pie, pie it depends on the cake or pie. I tend to be a pie person. Pie. I used to be a cake person until I realized I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah. So now I'm a pie person. Pie it is. Pie Pies wins. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Coffee. Oh, both. I, I I fluctuate. I mean, like I I'm, at my roots, I am a coffee person, but then I'll go through periods where I have, well, I'll tell you how it is. I have coffee in the morning and then I switch to tea. So it's like kind of play both games. See, yeah, I have yeah. coffee in the morning and drink iced tea all day. Yes, but I, I, I can't drink it hot. I in the morning and switch to pie. <laughs> 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 I'm I'm a coffee snob, but we're trying to get into tea more. It's not going to happen. No, you can't force it. I've tried to force the tea thing. It just doesn't work. Sorry, no, all the friends just makes me happy. Tea makes me feel like health. That's, that's I don't need that <laughs> <in> the holidays. <laughs> Maybe Our, your new, next husband will give you a teapot for Christmas. No, I actually got a teapot <laughs> for Christmas already. <laughs> Um, and then lastly, beer or wine? Wine. Wine as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm an equal opportunity consumer on the beer and wine. <laughs> What's for dinner? How thirsty am I? If I'm really thirsty, I'll yeah. drink a beer. If I want to look classy, I'll get wine. And then I'll right. carry Fair a bottle answers. behind my back. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Roger McFarlane with Greenflower Botanicals. Every day we're asked the same recurring question. How can I know if CBD is going to work for me? 
Well, did you know that CBD or cannabidiol has now been researched for its effects on over 50 medical conditions, including some of the most common conditions related to the health of your horse? It's amazing how this one little cannabinoid found in the cannabis plant has been responsible for nothing short of a revolution when it comes to natural medicine. Listen, it's safe, it's effective, and it's given to us by nature itself. And here's the truth. The only way to really know if CBD will work for you or your horse is to give it a try. And we want to make that very easy for you with our try and see money back guarantee. So right now you can go to greenflowerbotanicals.com and receive 20% off when you use code HRN. And here's the best part. Your purchase is backed by our promise that if you're unsatisfied for any reason, we will refund 100% of your purchase. So try some CBD today, totally risk-free by going to greenflowerbotanicals.com, use code HRN at checkout and receive 20% off your entire purchase. Thank you all for playing our round of questions today. This is fun. I think everyone got to know us a little bit better that we're really bad at rapid fire. We really like alcohol. <laughs> we like alcohol. Uh, before we jump into our closing show notes, Jamie, I would love to know what is a new year's resolution that you have for yourself and then one you have for your horse. We can just do round robin. Uh, New Year's resolution for my horse, my, my Mustang, who is my event horse has had quite a bit of time off due to various ailments one after another, after another. And I feel like I've got him to where he is ready to get back in action. So I wrote him again today and I would like to compete him again this year in eventing as far as me. <laughs> perfect. So I don't really have, I don't don't know. There's so many things I want to do. Um, but I, I I take kickboxing. So I really want to continue that because it's, it's definitely made my riding better. It all comes back to riding, you know? Yeah. Love it. Who wants to go next? Uh, I can, um, I like achieved my big like bucket list goal this year, which, um, actually it's on my desk. I won two. So I'm wearing one, but you can only wear one at a time. I won, <laughs> oh, won two hey. buckles, actually, well, with, okay. with my uh, makeover graduate. Um, and now I don't know what to do after that because I, <laughs> I guess I thought it would take us longer to do that. So, so uh, I, my goal in 2022 might actually be not necessarily to ride less, but like focus on all the stuff uh, that I put on the shelf while we were chasing points to win those buckles last year. So. Or don't they give away saddles in your sports? I mean, win a saddle. Then. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah. Now I'll be hunting that too, Jamie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think trail ride more, you know, ride more at home. Um, I don't want to talk too loud because my husband's in the next room over, but uh, he's getting back into riding. So I'm hoping to come oh. take the show some next year. So cool. uh, he might get into the ranch roping a little bit on my other thoroughbred. So. Uh, so I bought him his first retired resource project logo wear for Christmas this year. So, <laughs> Aww, um, know it this, he's like, okay, well, if we're going to learn to rope, I guess I'm doing it on this thoroughbred. I was like, yes, you are, buddy. Yay. So, good horse husband. <laughs> he's a good horse husband. He's a good enabler. <laughs> Jen, Leandra, either one of you? I think for me, mine is the same as the one I'm making on behalf of my horses. Like just say yes to more stuff, you know, try new things explore new things when opportunities arise just say yes to more things and i think i always try to think about training horses creating a yes horse so i'm gonna be a yes person this year too that's good 
That is a great one. Um, my horse is still very young. So I have been purposefully trying to like make him be an actual horse. So he's had a lot of time off and he had a pretty substantial injury. So I'm like looking to prove everyone wrong that he's going to be able to like do a lot more. So y'all are going to see a lot more of him in the future. Um, see what a horse who had a hole in his superficial digital flexor tendon and his suspensory can do. Cause he's like ridiculously sound. Um, just a huge weenie about getting his feet done. Like he's always late for two days after his feet are done. And he's always foot sore cause he's a big baby. Uh, but he's just three turning four. And if anybody's like heard my story before his turnout buddy, uh, Gozer was my horse before him. And I kind of, you know, found honest money, my, my only current, uh, personal horse because he was turned out with my horse who died and he was rehabbing. And, uh, so like his rehab kind of became my emotional rehab. So we kind of found each other and it's been a total blessing, but, uh, like learning to appreciate all those small moments again, because you just never know when it's going to be the last of it. But that kind of goes alongside with my personal goals, which is, um, because I'm just a person who has always had like that push pace for my whole life. Uh, like I graduated from college early and then from grad school early and just was like blazing through everything. Uh, and just have always, I mean, it's kind of the job too. Like you're always doing something. So being able to balance that has been my big goal. So I hope to, to make more strides at that. Like I've, I've meditated every day for the past like four months, uh, and trying to like slow things down, but it's only really helped my, um, my mental ability to do this job too. So it's amazing because I feel like, you know, horse women, especially we're like strong, independent folk. And there's so much like toughness and strength and all of that. But sometimes like taking a step back and working on going slow to go fast um, is, is incredible. So I'm trying to do more reading. And uh, what I found too is like, I think maybe all of us horse people also, but like I have this amazing ability to relate everything back to horses. Um, so I could be like watching a Ted talk about um, like rockets and I'd be like, Oh yeah, you know, that's kind of like training a horse <laughs> brain working. And that's a, you know, my dad's a huge nerd for um, in this whole study of like innovative thinking and how to foster creative thought and like how people come up with new ideas and you don't do that by doing the same things. You come up with new ideas uh, or innovative things. Creative thought comes from change. So um, that's what I've been working on, doing all that. Love that. Well, mine's very similar to yours, Leandra. I feel like I've had a lot of things going on. I still have a lot of things going on. I love being a busy bee. So I'm working on slowing down to speed up, but also really focusing all the efforts and making sure they're going towards goals that I really want. I'm a very much a yes person and I need to become more of a strategically yes person. Yeah. You and Jen need to swap seats. Yeah. I I'll, I'll hand you some of mine if I can. I'll, I'll box it up for you. But um, yeah, so learning what I, I really want to accomplish and get to some of those goals, especially as I'm coming into my 30th year. So I'd like to be a little more focused and less in my 20s. And then for my horse, we already started on one of our goals, which we're learning how to be jumpers, even though we're, I wanted to be dressage. I feel, I feel very betrayed, but my horse is built like a hunter. She loves her jump saddle. She's never moved better. So I'm, I'm accepting what is. So we're learning how to jump this year so she can have some fun. And um, she's already beelining for every jump line that we're not ready for. <laughs> That's exciting. Every lesson. 
Yay. Um, I think that's so good to kind of gravitate to what your horse's strengths are. She's very, she's so happy and it's good for me too, to learn some new things. And like, I feel like my writing's better. Um, and I just want more confidence for both of us for 2022. So I'll also try to do the online dressage shows at least every month, no matter what we score. And that's very relaxed and easy. And then hopefully we'll get to some clinics this year. She hates the horse trailer. So we'll see. Um, but minimally just working on goals, building confidence and being brave with ourselves is the biggest thing we're going to be doing in 2022 and keeping the show going. That's the next thing. I had to find a whole line of new guests, which we have six lined up already. I have to get the dates. <laughs> cool. There's no shortage of awesome thoroughbred people out there. So no, there's not. No, there's not. Well, this was supposed to end at seven. So um, thanks everybody (laughs) for staying this long. It just shows like we really are the family. We love getting together. We could talk for hours. Uh, Thanks for all the listeners who stayed on this long. If you're checking in on Christmas, Merry Christmas to all of you. Happy holidays. We wish you the best. And Jen, especially thanks to you. I know that you're stepping down this year, which I'm still mourning that. (laughs) You've just been amazing. You've been a, a huge supporter of the show. And I, we couldn't be doing this without you. And the guests you've lined up and helped out. So thank you for all your, and we wish you the best of luck with everything that you're, you're going to be working on. Oh, I appreciate it. And mark my word, you will still get guest ideas from me probably more than you want, but I'm excited. (sighs) That is my Christmas present. That's the only Christmas present I want. (laughs) Well, Joy, you do such a great job putting this all together. And uh, thank you for getting, making tonight happen and making something a little different. And uh, we do, Appreciate everything that you do as well. Love you, girls. Y'all are awesome. Yes. Thanks for having us on holiday. Love you all. Happy, Happy holidays, holidays, everyone. All right. I'll call all of you tomorrow and we'll do this again because this was okay. fun. <laughs> all right. Amy, you ready to smash out the closing of the show? Oh, yeah. Let me find it. you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on the website at retiredracehorseradio.com like us on facebook and instagram just search for retired racehorse radio and there is a facebook page where you can find all of my stuff fly over farm jamie jennings certified monty roberts instructor or you can email me at jamie at horseradionetwork.com you can email me at joy at horseradionetwork.com or find me on Instagram at the foodie equestrian. Thank you so much to our sponsors, Kentucky Performance Products, Arena Saddles, Cashel Company, and Greenflower. And don't forget to check out all the other shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Remember to set your goals high and love to learn from every ride. And spay, neuter, and geld. Happy holidays, everyone. Bye.